Uh, we started this subject Sunday morning, and I guess you were interested in it, because, man, you all sure showed up tonight. So this is a, a teaching class. We will open it up at the end, so take notes if you got questions or you got thoughts, because you will pick up on things that I don't, and I sure want to learn from you. And I'll tell you, if, if this class has done anything in the last couple of years, it has... I have learned from y'all, which is great for me because I don't always get to sit and listen to somebody. So uh, when y'all when y'all teach me, I love it. And don't be afraid, John and I talked about this today, don't be afraid about being wrong. If you have a thought in this class as we're studying types and shadows uh, and you, and you want to say, hey, could this be a type of this? Don't, don't be afraid to say that. We'll, we'll look for it in the scripture. Uh, even if it takes us more than one night, uh, if we have to get back with you on it, we'll look at it. That's that's what this class is for. And so we want to be students of the Word, but more importantly, we want to love to be students of the Word. And to me, that's what this study really does. It, it makes the Scripture so exciting. A lot of people think the Old Testament is irrelevant, and I actually had a guy stop me one day. Uh, he was coming out of the gym, and I was in the parking lot. And he said, when are you going to stop preaching on the Old Covenant, the Old Testament? I was like, I ain't ever going to. I ain't ever. <laughs> he said, well, it's, it's irrelevant. It's Jesus fulfilled it. And I said, exactly. And what the Old Covenant and the Old Testament shows me is just what Jesus did for me. Because in the volume of the book, is written of me. So we talked about this Sunday. I don't want to reteach Sundays. If you miss Sundays, you can go online and listen to it or watch it. But the word has layers. It has depths of layers. And when we look at something that is what we call a type or a shadow, where God takes a portion of somebody's life and shows us something about Jesus through that person's life, that person really did exist. We're not saying that person that, that David and Goliath didn't exist or that Moses didn't exist. They existed, but a portion of their life showed us something, and that's why it is recorded for us. So please remember that and that not every detail of that person's life will show you Jesus because we're dealing with humanity, and sometimes they messed up. So we just take what points us to Jesus and the rest we learn from and leave. Uh, we used Psalm 40, verse 7, Sunday morning. It's stated again in Hebrews 10, 5. Lo, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Everything's about Jesus. Everything's pointing to Jesus and what he provided for us. One more statement I want to make sure that we got from Sunday and that we carry over into this study is that the reality is always more powerful than the type. It is always, it is the fulfillment, it is the reality of what the type was, was trying to show us. The Passover lamb was powerful. The blood of the lamb was powerful. But the blood of Jesus, more powerful. So that's just an example there. I think we used Hebrews 10 Sunday morning. Hebrews 10.1, the law is only a shadow that's where we get that word. It's only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. So when we look back at the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, it shows us 
the good, a shadow of the good things that are coming. I think we used, yes, we used Luke 24 where Jesus was walking with the disciples after the resurrection and he's talking to them and he starts telling them and explaining to them everything that the prophet said concerning himself. So Jesus is explaining that to them and it opens up their eyes where they can see Jesus throughout the scrolls that they had been studying all their lives and couldn't see Jesus in them. Then they began to see Jesus. I want to add one passage to that list of foundational scriptures because I think this one is excellent. I don't think I gave it to you Sunday morning. It's found in Colossians 2. So if you want to turn there, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. We encourage you to bring your Bibles if you can. If not, use your, your device. But it's important for us to look at the scriptures when we're reading. Make sure I'm saying it right. Colossians 2, verse 16. He's, he's talking to them about all the rituals of food and drink and the law. He says, Therefore let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food and drink or with regard to a feast day or a new moon or Sabbath. Such things are only the shadow of things that are to come, and they have only a symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it, belongs to Christ. So all these things, they, all these rituals and feasts that they've been doing, they did. But they were for the purpose of showing us Jesus Christ. That's what they were for. With that, let's turn to Luke 10. And go through a type and shadow. Most of you, if you've been around here very long, you, you know this one by heart. But who knows? You might see something tonight you haven't seen before. And if you do, I sure want to know about it. It's called the Good Samaritan. Now, if you grew up in church and you heard about the Good Samaritan, what did it teach you? Be good to your neighbor, right? Be good to your neighbor. And that's truth. <laughs> that is a truth and that is a reality and Jesus did want us to learn that. But tonight we're going to see if there might be some layers to this story. So Luke 10 is where we're going to read from and I'm going to start in verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is, what is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered it right. This do and you will live. But he, the, the man, willing to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? That's the question. Who is the, who is the neighbor? So Jesus goes into this story. Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now I, just, I just want you to put in your notes... Could this be Adam? 
Let's see if it fits. A certain man, not a man, (laughs) a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. Put in your notes John 10.10. The thief comes but to... So, could this thief be the enemy, Satan? A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment. And does that ring a bell for anybody? The, Jesus, yes, and our righteousness. Mankind was stripped of his righteousness. When the enemy came in the garden... To Adam, he stripped him of his right standing with God. He left him in in poverty. And I mean all levels of poverty when he robbed him. It says, and he wounded him. And I have in parentheses sickness and disease. Remember we talked about the curses a couple of weeks ago, or was that last week, that we redeemed from the curse of the law, poverty, sickness, and death. We see them all three represented right here in the story. He wounded him, sickness and disease, and departed, leaving him half dead. What an interesting word. He left him half dead. Well, it wasn't long ago that we talked about Genesis 3, and when man, uh, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, and in Genesis 3 he said, In dying thou shalt die and mankind didn't just fall over dead they died spiritually which started causing a deterioration in the body and so you might say they were half dead and dying so when this thief this robber attacked this human he left him wounded he left him stripped And he left him half dead or spiritually dead and dying. Verse 31. This is important wording. And by chance, and by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by him on the other side. Priesthood, the priesthood, saw the condition of mankind. And and one commentary said this, Brother Jim. Can you hear me okay? Is it working? Okay. Um, He had no pity nor power to help him. The priesthood, the law. They had no pity. They were a religious bunch. They were hard. The law was hard. And they had no power to help the man. So they passed by on the other side. It was by chance that they came by. I'm trying to think. Oh, one of the other commentaries said, the priesthood saw mankind but stayed out of reach and did not even turn out of his course to come and see him and had no pity on him. And that, if we're not careful, is the way religion sees people that need help. We're not going to get off course. We're not going to take the time to go over and see what the real issue is. And that is represented here by the priest. Verse 32. And likewise, a Levite. Now, what's a Levite? 
they were they were kind of assistants to the priest. They did a lot of things in the temple, prepared things for the temple. We talk we talk about the Levitical priesthood. They really helped the sons of Aaron. So um, that's represented here as well. Likewise, by chance, you might say, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. He saw him, but he couldn't heal him. The law, the law couldn't fix mankind. The law is called the law of Moses. It is said that it is a schoolmaster that points us to Christ. Basically what it did is showed us that we were in sin and that we needed a Savior. That's what the law did. It said this is, this is what sin is. If you do this, you're, you're in sin. You need a Savior. I, I love this example that Dad used to always give. He'd say if there wasn't a speed limit, you can't break the law. So the, the old covenant, the, the old commandments and the law of Moses said, here's the speed limit, and if you cross this line, it's sin. Well, nobody was perfect. Guess what? Everybody needed a Savior. And so what it did is it pointed to the fact that you couldn't be good enough this was going to have to be a savior saving me grace. I was going to need grace. So the Levite looked at him, but he passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but. <laughs> Don't you love that? Because the story is fixing to turn. But a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were interesting. What do you know about Samaritans? They're half, they're half breed, half breed Jews. How were they? They were hated by the Jews. I mean, hated. They weren't even like, they were shocked when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, remember? Because they were, they were, they were hated. And there was this enmity between them. It says this certain Samaritan, which I think is interesting that they were a mixed breed and that Jesus was both God and man uh, as well. And they called Jesus a Samaritan out of anger in John 8. They said, you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed, basically, is what they said in John 8. So I find it interesting that later the religious bunch even, he wasn't a Samaritan, but he, he was not, he was not full-fledged blood Jew. He was God and he was man. So that's interesting. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, oh, wait a minute. These other two came by chance and happened by this guy by chance. But here comes a certain Samaritan on a journey. He's on a mission. And so that's the difference between him and the other two. He was on a journey, not by chance. And look what he did. He came where he was. Jesus came where we were. 
Jesus came where mankind was. Religion wouldn't do that. Jesus did. He came where the man was. And he saw him. Now, y'all, that's a small statement. But when you feel unseen, that's a big statement. He saw him. He didn't ignore him. He didn't move to the other side. He observed him. He, he saw him. He concentrated on him. And it says, he had compassion on him. So this is not religion. This is a savior. This is, what, this is what the whole world had been longing for and looking for. They just didn't know it. He had compassion on him, verse 34, and he went to him. This is, every time I read this, I just love Jesus more and more. <laughs> because you can just see his heart for us. He, he saw us. He came to us. He went to him. And what did he do? He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil, and wine. Luke 4.18, you remember when Jesus was reading uh, from the book of Isaiah, and what did he say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Preach the good news, to bind up the wounds, and, and that is what this guy did. He bound up his wounds. You might want to go back to Isaiah or to Luke 4, 18 and read that. So this kind of clarifies that this is Jesus here. And then he pours in the oil and the wine. Let's turn over. I didn't plan to do this, but let's. I was just going to give you the reference, but I think we need to go there. Matthew 9. We'll go back through and read it without my commentary here in a minute so that you can get a better picture. I know a lot of you have studied it before, but it blesses me every time I read it. Anytime you see, in top and shadows, you see oil and wine, typically you're going to be talking about the new birth and the Holy Spirit. And this verse really brings this out to me. In verse 17, no, I'm sorry, 16, he says, No man puts a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up takes from the garment, and the rent is made worse, the tear is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles... And both are preserved. So before we can receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the wine, we need new wineskins. And, and I can just see my dad uh, talking about those leather wineskins and rubbing that oil onto that leather for that leather bow to be made new, to be renewed and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And now we can hold in ourselves the Holy Spirit of God and not be destroyed. Before they couldn't even touch the Ark of the Covenant. They couldn't even touch it. It would destroy them. They, they could not. Their physical bodies could not come in that much contact with the presence of God or the anointing of God. And now that we've been renewed, we've been made new through the new birth, we can now hold in us 
the Holy Spirit of God and our bodies not be destroyed. That's a great picture for us, isn't it? So I love Matthew 9 for that. Okay, where did we get to? He, he went to the guy, he bound up his wounds, he poured in the oil and the wine, and he set him on his own beast. Not the victim's beast. The good Samaritan set the victim on the good Samaritan's beast. And he put him on his property. He put him on his power. Now man does not have to get up and walk under his own power. But he can walk and ride, if you will, on the power of the good Samaritan. And that's what we do every day. We ride on the power of Jesus Christ and the authority of Jesus Christ. He's placed us on his property in his standing. And, and I have in my notes, I think from the last time we taught this, he walked so we could ride. He took our place and gave us his place. And he did indeed in every, every way. We talked about it today in the office. We are seated with him. In heavenly places. He has placed us in his place. So he set him on his own beast. And brought him to an inn. And took care of him. And when you look up the word inn. It's a public, it's a pub, public, public place. And you, we might consider it to be the church. Because this is the hospital if you will. For mankind. That is what we are supposed to do. When somebody comes in, we are to take care of them. It doesn't mean we pay every one of their bills. <laughs> but we help. We assist. We teach them the word. We don't just throw band-aids on things. We're here for the total wholeness and health of the person. And so he, this good Samaritan took him, brought him to the inn and took care of him. The end took care of him. We'll see that in a minute. Verse 35. And on the morrow, the good Samaritan departed. Jesus didn't stay here and walk with every mankind in person. He left the people in the church's hands. He was caught up, right, to heaven. On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence... And gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again. Oh, he's not staying gone forever. He's coming back. When I come again, I will repay thee. I have in my, in parentheses, I will reward you. And Revelation is full of information about the reward that goes to the saints. There is great reward. But I'm telling you, he left people to come into the church to be taken care of, to be made whole. And he paid for it. He took out two pence. Now, you know where we're going to go with that if you've been here very long. Two pence was two days' pay. So he paid for the upkeep of humanity for two days. Now, there's this 
There's this little scale hidden in, in the scripture that's very interesting and will help you with a lot of other scriptures, okay? It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. I want you to turn there because I want you to mark it in your Bibles in case you need to find it again when you're looking at something. And, you know, back in, back in Dad's day when he was preaching, uh, we had these things called maps. And uh, I can remember a... a Lots of good, tense moments with a map, with my mom reading, trying to read a map and my dad driving. And uh, if you know my mom, you'll get it. And uh, if you know my dad, you'll get it. So, uh, but there's this little key, there's this code to maps that shows you an inch is a mile or whatever. It'll give you a, a key, a code, down at, down at the bottom or at the top, and it'll tell you. This is kind of what this is for a lot of the words that are in the mysteries that are in the Scripture. And it says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. I'm sorry, verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Do not forget this. So I want you to mark it. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, you can't go down through here, all through every verse, and every time it says a day, say it's a thousand years, because that won't fit. But sometimes it will. And so I just want to, play with this right here and say if in this passage of scripture he paid for two days could Jesus have been paying for the upkeep of humanity for approximately 2,000 years and if he owed more he says he would repay when he came back A thousand years with the Lord, a day, is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. He paid two pence or two days wages upkeep. And I know we stretch, we, we go into things in here that we don't go in on Sunday morning because that's what this is for. You don't have to agree with me. You can, you can think this whole thing just means be good to your neighbor and, and that is a truth. And if you live that truth, it'll be a good truth to live by. But I find it fascinating that everything in here seems to fit quite beautifully. So verse 36 then says, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him who fell among the thieves? And he said, The one that showed mercy. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. Sounds like a be Christ-like to me. So let me read that without putting any commentary in it. Let your minds see, okay? We'll start in verse 29. Are y'all back? I'm sorry. Luke 10, verse 29. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus... Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay you. Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that had mercy on him. And Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. So, interesting. Very interesting. Now, I thought it would be fun if we did one together. Okay? So, let's go to John 11. I may have to skip around a little bit on verses here for the sake of time. If, if I don't have to, I won't. Um, I also want to give you some that you might want to study on your own. Because we, we will not be here next Wednesday. And we'll be off next Wednesday uh, getting ready for at least a lot of you will be cooking Wednesday night uh, next week. So we'll give you that night off and then we'll start back up the next week. But some of the, some of the people you might want to study, uh, we talked about Jonah Sunday morning. We read two chapters of Jonah. And if you got anything out of that that I missed tonight, I sure want to know uh, what you got. But we did Jonah. Uh, Moses. There's a lot in the story of Moses that shows Jesus. He was a savior. Uh, David. Uh, the serpent on the pole, which is in Numbers 28. We mentioned it Sunday, it representing Jesus with our sin nature on him and how it took the, the poison of the serpent, had no effect if they kept their eyes on the cross. They kept their eyes on Jesus carrying their sin nature then the bite of the serpent had no power. Uh, water from the rock in Exodus 17. You remember Moses, uh, God told him the people were thirsty and there was no water. And God told Moses to strike the rock. And so Moses struck the rock. Water flowed out enough to feed the multitude and their animals. And then uh, you'll also want to put down 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 4 on that study. And also put down Numbers 20, verses 8 through 12 on that study. Because later, the situation came up again, and Moses, God told Moses to speak to the rock. And Moses was angry with the people, so he struck the rock again. Well, Jesus had already been struck. You don't strike him twice. 
And so it, it kept Moses out of the promises. It kept him out of the promised land because he struck, he, he ruined the type. <laughs> he messed with the type because the, the, that is the faith message. Jesus did it, now we speak, we speak to circumstances and situations. We don't ask Jesus to come down and do it again. And so you can, you can, study, you can study those passages, and that's very good. 1 Corinthians 10, what it tells there is that the, the rock was Jesus. It makes it very plain. And that that rock followed them. Fascinating. Fascinating passage. Uh, study the six water pots at the marriage in Cana, which was Jesus' first miracle. You'll find some interesting things there. It's in John 2. Of course, the Passover in Exodus 12, uh, the Lamb of God, uh, is pictured there powerfully. I'm just going to say the feast. I know Kelly, Kelly and I have talked about the feast before. You've done studies on the feast. There's some good books on the feast. The feast showed Jesus. Every single one of them showed timelines and Jesus. I am not well versed in the feast. I'll just tell you, study somebody that is well versed about the feast. And Kelly might can help you out with that. Kelly, raise your hand if you know good teachings or uh, books on that. I trust her with that. Uh, the scapegoat. Oh, the scapegoat. The one that the uh, priest put their hands on and pronounced the sins of Israel on that scapegoat and how he was released out into the wilderness to be devoured by wild animals. It is Jesus in the heart of the earth taking my sin penalty. Beautiful type. Uh, the burning bush, we talked a little bit about Sunday. Uh, Joseph being thrown in the pit. I mean... The tree cast into the bitter waters in Exodus 15. I mean, we could just keep going and going because in the volume of the book, it's written of him. And so, but those will give you some good ones to study and look for Jesus in the story. Look for Jesus in the story. Another great thing to do is to look up names. Uh, when somebody is named, look and see what their name means. doesn't always... It's not always a revelation, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. I remember looking up the rivers that surrounded the Garden of Eden. You remember that? Like bursting forth with fruitfulness. I mean, it was like a prophetic word. And so, you know, look up names when you're studying the Old Testament especially and see if there is revelation found in it. All right. Y'all think we can get this done? I was a little unsure. I mm, stick with me. I may skip some verses if there's not a type in it. If it re if it reads okay, we'll just have to see how it goes as we go go along. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And then he explains who Martha was, Mary's uh, brother. Uh, verse 3, Therefore his sister sent for Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Lazarus is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Anybody else see anything really strange about that? Now Jesus loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. And when he heard he was sick, he stayed where he was. And we have to look at that. That is odd. As if you come to me and say, Janine is sick. She needs you. I love her. I love Jeff. I love Janine and Jeff. You kind of expect me to do something. Jesus stayed, and it doesn't just say he stayed a while. He stayed two days. I find that interesting. So I was going through a bunch of old notes today, dad's old notes, and I found this little, it wasn't even written, it was topped out note. Because I did not have this in my, my notes. So I don't know if I just didn't catch it when he covered it or if he only covered it once. But this was interesting. For this to fit the type of, of Jesus saving sick humanity, it had to be four. Lazarus had to be dead four days because mankind was dead from Adam to Jesus, which was 4,000 years. And if Jesus would have gone on the second day and brought Lazarus, healed Lazarus, it would not fit the type. So Jesus stayed two days. Verse 6, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> hmm. Has it always bothered you? I mean, always just kind of made you scratch your head? His disciples said unto him, Master, you know, the Jews are going to stir up trouble. He gives them a little lesson. Uh, let's skip down to mm, verse 14 is interesting. Uh, in the ESV, which is one of my favorites, to me it's closer to the Greek. They said to Jesus, unto the, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. The ESV says Lazarus has died, which I believe is correct because if Jesus had said Lazarus is dead... He dead. But if he died, then he could live again. So that's just a note. It has nothing to do with tonight's lesson. Verse 15. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Jesus is saying, I want to show you something. There's something here you need to believe. And I believe that's beyond seeing Jesus do a miracle. I believe it's him fulfilling a picture of him 
raising humanity from the dead, bringing them new life. So when I read that verse now, I get plumb excited, and I never did before. I mean, it's a great story. I mean, everybody wants to see the dead raised. I am, not, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Believe what? That's tonight's question. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then Thomas has a few things to say. Um, verse 17. When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had laid in the grave four days. Mankind had been dead for 4,000 years from, from sin. You understand what I'm saying? Mankind was dead spiritually for 4,000 years. And we tie 2 Peter 3.8, our little key back in there, right? That's how I got that. Uh, verse 20. When then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever you will ask God, God will give you. And Jesus said, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes. This was more than Lazarus. This is us. He is talking about us. Oh, let me see. Verse 34, Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see, we'll show you. And Jesus wept. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the office today in one of our preaching sessions, our warm-up sessions. And I do believe that Jesus showed emotion but Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I believe their unbelief grieved him. I believe, I believe he felt for their pain and for their hurt and what they were experiencing. But I believe that their unbelief grieved him. He said to the Jews, behold, and the Jews said, oh, look how much he loved Lazarus. Well, that tells you right there, if that's what you're thinking, you're not thinking right because they didn't think right. It wasn't just because he, he, he's going to raise him from the dead. He knows he's going to raise him from the dead. So he's weeping either for the people and their pain or for the people because of their unbelief. Some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, comes to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone laid upon it. A stone had mankind sealed in death. Anybody want to know what that stone was? The law. The law. It had mankind was entombed in the law. He... he he couldn't live. And Jesus said, Whew. 
Mary and I are getting it. I don't know. Come on up to the front row, Mary. Jesus said, take away that stone. Woo! We're not, we're not held to that law that is impossible for mankind to keep anymore. It is not what controls us. It is not what, um, I know, grace. Grace, grace, grace through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Freed us from the law of sin and death. Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said, He has been dead four days. He stinks. Keep the stone on him. That's religion. That's saying you can't come out of your addiction. You can't come out of your divorce. You can't come out of your sin. You can't keep the stone on them. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Ain't going to work with Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto you that if you would believe, watch my glory on the addict. Watch my glory on the sinner. Watch my glory on the sick. Watch my glory on those in poverty. You set them free. Take the stone away and watch my glory. I know. Now you know why we preach before we get out here. Mm. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you hear me always. But because of the people which stand by, I say it, that they may believe that you have sent me. Man, come forth. Lazarus, come out, come out of there. Come out of there. And he that was dead came forth. But he was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. The signs of death, the clothing of death was on him. His face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Get that off of him. Get that off of him. What has bound him, the stink of death, the things that marked that person as sinner, the things that marked that person as poverty, the things that marked that person as sick, you get to take it off of them. Oh, that's the church. (laughs) That's the believer. That's what we get to do. Loose him and let him go. Wait, I didn't let y'all do any of the work. I was supposed to let y'all do the work. Stinking on it. Oh, I get so excited. I get the spirit of preach on me. Man, that's good. Did anybody else get anything while I was giving all the answers? Did you get anything I didn't say or more than what I said? Now, I know there's other lessons in here that we could go off of, but about types and shadows, did anybody else pick up on anything? Oh, wait, I need a mic. 
I need a mic for radio and television. I'm, I'm not television, radio. We'll make Mr. Langford work, earn his keep. And the part where it mentions it was Martha who, um, you know, said that about that. And we remember back when, in the, I'm not sure what verse it was, but earlier in the chapter, book about Martha and Mary. Yes. And when he went to see them, who was it was always concerned about everything had to be perfect and performing? It was Martha. Whereas Mary was the one who sat at his feet and Martha criticized her. And the same yep. thing with the law, criticized grace. That's you know? good. Very good. So it was Martha that said, oh, that's good. You're going in my Bible. Anybody else? Mr. Charlie? Uh, in uh, verse 44 where it's talking about he was bound with grave clothes and his face was bound with a napkin. Uh, it was a custom of the Jews when they ate the master, you know, his servants would serve him. Okay, uh, if he was through eating, he would fold a napkin, no, he'd wind the napkin up and just lay it on the table. If he wasn't through eating, he would fold a napkin and lay it on the table, which meant he would be back. Jesus, when they found him in, in the grave, his napkin was folded. When they didn't find him in the grave, yep. <laughs> when they didn't yes. find him in the grave. Yes. His napkin was folded, meaning yeah. he will be back. Yep. Bridget? Oh, you have to wait on Ken. I mean, you get to. Where he said, Lazarus, come forth. Look how he said it. Verse 43. Yeah, he didn't just go, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And you were, when you were operating, you were, of course, you're operating the Holy Spirit. But we're going to have a new boldness. And we're going to be freeing people in the name of Jesus because we're going to see ourselves like him. And that's what this is all about. It is. It's time. It's time to get people free. And you're not going to do it with a meek mild. We're going to do it like Jesus. Yeah. Come forth. Yeah. And, and set people free. That's what this is about. It is. It is. That's good. He called him by name. It was personal. Anybody else? The night is young. Miss Dolores. Y'all write in your Bibles. Yes. You know, when you go home because you think, oh, where, did, where are my notes on that? It is so important that you, you write it so that the next time you read it, you've got it. I just had a comment on um, what Bridget had to say about Lazarus come forth. If he hadn't have said Lazarus, <laughs> look how many people would have come forth. <laughs> That's true. Very true. We'd have had a, lots of empty caves, wouldn't we? I mean, this is... Um, I showed this to John today, but this is my notes on the Good Samaritan. You know, just fill up the margins and the middle, and and it, you don't have to write the whole whole paragraph, but just something that reminds you, so that when you go back, you you because you think you'll remember. Yeah, Charlie. Uh, go back to the Good Samaritan. Jesus paid for two days. That represents two thousand years. That he paid for for the church. Well, I lost my thought on that. The uh, okay, a lot of people believe that at, at the year 2000 was the end of the 2000 right. years. Uh, 
the 2,000 years actually didn't start until Jesus was resurrected and ascended back to his father. So uh, we've still got a few more years on that two, that two yes. days. And, and we don't set dates, and he, but we can know seasons. And that's what Jesus said, uh, because it says that Jesus doesn't even know, because if Jesus knew the date... We would know the date because he's told the Holy Spirit to reveal everything to us that he knows. So the Father knows the time, and we can know the season, the Scripture says. So it may not be specifically, you know, to the, to the day. Plus, then you go into the thing of which calendar. The Jewish calendar, the Western world's calendar. Just know this. He's coming. He's coming, and I believe that we can all feel and sense in our spirit the season. But it will be, to some degree, if we're reading Scripture correctly, in the 2,000-year range, depending on the calendar uh, that we don't know which one. God's calendar would be the correct one. <laughs> Kelly Joe. Okay, um, on uh, when Lazarus was risen from the dead, mm -hmm. um, I heard a pastor one time teach that it is a Jewish thought that this, after somebody passes away, that their spirit remains for three days. So there was another um, underlying intent as to why Jesus stayed as long as he did, because in that way that would help to prove to the Jews that Jesus really was who he said he was, and that Lazarus was really raised from the dead. Interesting. So, so that was part of why... Uh, Getting rid of a myth. Yes. Uh, tarried as long as he did. And then uh, back on about the feast, uh, mm -hmm. Mark Biltz's Blood Moons is an excellent book. Not only does it teach about the seasons and the intent about... Um, what all was taking place during the blood moons, and he was one who did not set dates, and that was one thing right. that I really liked about him. But he, this book is such a rich book because it taught about um, some of the interesting points about the blood moons and also about the feast, and also it teaches, it gives a really great inside look as to the beauty of the Hebrew language. You know, because each letter mm -hmm. represents a word, and it is just it's it is just an amazing book to read because you get a lot out of it from um, and it's an easy read. Oh, good! That was going to be my next question. Yes, it's, a, it's a very it's a very thin book, but it is power packed. Thank you, Kelly. The author's name again? Mark Biltz, B I L T Z. Oh, give the name of the book again, Kelly, please. I wrote down Blood Moons. I was just going to look up the author. And Blood Moons. Okay. This Bible is very interesting. Very interesting. Anybody else? I mean, we can continue on this for a couple of weeks if you want to. We can go through some of these. Um, we're going to skip a week, you know. I don't want to have to re reset it up, but we have a pretty steady group on Wednesday nights, it's hard to do this on a Sunday morning because you have so many different people coming and going or not coming. Uh, 
in and out. That's kind of hard to do a series this in depth. Go ahead, John. I just saw some similarities here. Um, whenever Jesus, when they, when he came to uh, Lazarus' tomb, because they asked, you know, Jesus asked, and I don't know if maybe he saw some um, uh, reflection or you know something that uh, in in the future of his resurrection. Uh, here, but you know, in verse thirty-three, uh, John eleven, he asked the question, "Where have you laid him?" That's the same thing that I think Martha asked, what mm-hmm. she thought was the gardener. You know, where have you laid yeah. him? Um, also, where Jesus wept, just something on the inside of me was reminding me when he cried before he gave a, he cried with a loud voice. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just saw that there, but the one at thirty-seven, verse thirty-seven, uh, it says, "Could not this man?" Or some of them said, "Could not this man have opened the eyes of the blind? Have caused that even this man should not have died?" And when he was on the cross, you know, they were saying, "Well, he saved others; let him save himself." Yeah, that's true. You know, so I saw some similarities, yeah. uh, and that maybe maybe that's what caused. I just thought maybe that's what caused Jesus to weep and get emotional as he got a glimpse of, you know, what was ahead of him, yeah. him there. So. What it was going to take to raise humanity from the dead. Did you see, oh, so you say, did you see a hand? <laughs> One of the things I have written in the margin of my Bible by the Jesus wept, kind of picking him back off of John is there's more, there was more going on than what was going on in the physical. It's good. So if you go back to the Garden of Eden, whenever he was sweating blood because of the pressure Garden he was... Garden of Gethsemane. Yes, yeah. sorry. Not, You're right. Not um, but because of the pressure he was under spiritually, mm-hmm. this was a big thing. Yeah. This was no small... I mean, even though it was small to him, it was, it was very important. Even back to the wording of, of like you said, he died. Mm-hmm. And back even before that when he said this sickness will not end in death. Right. I mean, he was very articulate with his words and, yeah. and the importance of this, I think, is yeah, that's good. Is to why he wept. Yeah, and that's a good point. That's one of the things that, um, one of those lessons that we could take out of this besides the top and shadow lesson is that when he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always, he was referring back to when he said, which we didn't, I don't even think we read that part, where he said, this sickness will not end in death. Well, he, he knew God was hearing him say that, and it would not end in death. It went to death, but it wouldn't end in death. And so he had spoken that, and that's the importance of our words. Ms. Dolores? You were uh, talking about only the Father knows the day and the hour um, when Jesus will return. Another uh, picture of that was in the Jewish wedding because um, they were they were engaged, espoused, I think the scripture calls it, but they were engaged for a long time. When they, they had like a wedding ceremony when they got engaged, yes. but then uh, she went home to prepare and the groom went home to build a place for her. Yeah. And on, whenever the father of the groom thought he was ready, then he would say, go get your bride. Great type and shadow. Great type and shadow. There's Y'all, there's so much in here. So much in here. I'm not 
I love talking about shadow. I, I may be off on this, or I'm not really sure, but um, this seems kind of interesting to me. In verse 28 of, of John 11, where it says that, um, you know, after Martha met Jesus, that she went secretly to, to Mary, and the teacher has come and is calling for you. And that Mary, about, I just mentioned earlier, about grace and how after uh, Jesus was calling for grace. And after that, that's when he came, is, she came, is when he called out to her. Unless she, she came quickly um, and went to him. But that just, you know, yeah. may or may not be anything there, but that just seems to kind of interesting to me how that's worded. So. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. else if you don't get it it's okay just study the word and let and let the holy spirit be the teacher if you if you don't get it tonight it's okay you'll start seeing some things when you're reading the scripture don't take it too far just let it point you to jesus and if it doesn't point you to jesus then it's part of the story it's just part of the story and a part of the account of that person's life or, or the story that Jesus is telling in parables. And, but it should point you to Jesus. That's the point of this study. Bridget. Okay, this is a question for you. So where she said Mary went and met him, is that like the rapture or no? Like she heard he was coming, so she, because he always says, look up, look up. I don't know. No, I'm just asking. Yeah, I, I, don't know I haven't that. seen that. but Okay, I just thought of that when she Go said back and that. read it. Yeah. And put that in there and see if it fits. Okay. If it doesn't fit. Yeah, because I don't know. That's why I do that all the time. Like how I I put the wording in it the first round and then go back and read it the second round and without stopping it. Because sometimes if I stop and I get off on a rabbit trail, I'll let it take me somewhere that it doesn't take me. And when I go back and read it again, I'm like, oh, no, that doesn't fit. So, you know, don't try to force something is what I'm trying to say. Try to force something. If it... If, it, if all it means to you is be good to your neighbor and Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that's great. That's not weak. That's a great truth. Uh, but if there's more there, it's it very interesting. Anybody else? Great study tonight. Great study. I got plum excited. Plum excited. And, and I've heard it so many times, you know, but... There's things I saw this time that I said that I've never said before. So that's the layers of the Bible. I just thank the Lord because grace yeah. is still for today. That's right. And I'm one of them. <laughs> We're, that we has we been are blessed one of them. By grace. That's right. We have a Savior, don't we? I'll call you Mom. We have a Savior, don't we, Mom? It's John's mom, but I'll borrow her. We have a Savior, and if, if we think that we can keep the law and, and that be good enough, we're, we can't. We had to have grace. We had to have a Savior, so, and I'm thankful that it rides on him, not on me, not my performance. I want to be like him because he did that for me. It causes change in me. It causes me to want to change, to be more like him. But it, it's not hinged on me. It's hinged on him and my belief in him. And it, that's a whole world of difference. Amen?